0: Final Four is set. Hello, everyone, and welcome to BCL Coast to Coast, the official podcast of the Basketball Champions League. My name is Austin Green, and the quarterfinals are over. There was some amazing action, and only four teams remain. Broza Bomberg, Telenet Giants Antwerp, Iberostar Tenerife, and Segafredo Virtus Bologna will be battling in the Final Four, May 3rd through the 5th. Here to break down all the quarterfinal action with me is David Hein over in Germany. Dave, what do you think about the quarterfinals and our four final four teams?
1: Uh, long season is uh, uh, coming uh, to uh, to a to a to a summit. Here we have a really f- four great teams. Uh, I would say that three of them were pretty much um, yeah were pretty strong candidates to to reach the final four. Antwerp then being uh you know they you know, we've, we've said before it's always one surprise team in the final four uh, and for having to go through the the qualifying rounds uh you know great great uh, great action uh in the in the quarterfinals and uh, you know Bumberg obviously and and Ike had the had the, the 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 only real battle the only real war but uh you know definitely f- you know four worthy Final four teams, and uh, yeah, I can't wait to to find out uh, what the matchups are going to be and start breaking those down. Uh, because you know, really, all four of these teams have uh, have a legit chance to to raise the the trophy on May fifth
0: make sure you go subscribe to livebasketball.tv if you haven't done that yet you can go back and watch all of these quarterfinal games and any other games from the BCL season and of course watch the final four live as it happens we don't have any games for almost a month here but we will have a podcast for you every week Dave and I will bring on some special guests and of course we'll preview all of the final four games as it gets a little bit closer to the action first Let's break down the quarterfinals, and we'll start it off with the team of the quarterfinals.
2: Pump fakes, in the lane, What a us dunk, right in the lane, a
3: massive fire just throws it down. Picks in the corner, and three in the corner, gets it to drop, big three-pointer.
0: Leading it off, our guest on this week's episode, the MVP from the quarterfinals, Tim Abromitis from AbiroStar Tenerife. He averaged 18.5 points, seven rebounds. He shot 48% from the field and made some really clutch baskets for Tenerife as they beat Hapoel Jerusalem by from Virtus Bologna, he averaged 13.5 points, shot 58% from the field, and played some good defense for a tough Bologna team that just overwhelmed Nanterre in Italy in the second leg. Paris Lee from Telenet Giants Antwerp, the underdog Antwerp, Uh, making it to the Final Four, thanks in large part to the contributions of Lee, 16.5 points, 48% shooting from the field, and of course he had that incredible game in the first leg to help set Antwerp up uh, for the Final Four. Tyrese Rice from Broza Bomberg, 16 points per game, five assists, some incredible clutch shooting to take down the defending champions, Ike, in Athens, and James Feldine, the only player from a losing side to make it on the team of the quarterfinals. He was excellent scoring the ball again, as he was all season long, averaging 19 points, shooting 48% of the field to make it to the team of the quarterfinals. Uh, Dave, what, what do you think about the, the five guys who we have here on the team of the quarterfinals?
1: Yeah, I mean you look at all five of them, they were absolutely crucial to their team's uh to their team's performance. You know, Feldeen coming in there uh from a from a losing side. I mean, okay, if you want to def- if you definitely want to go with the winners, uh only only winning team players, um I mean you can maybe look at uh maybe Colton Iverson, maybe Cliff Alexander, those might be two guys that could maybe uh be put in there. But I mean having the four guys from the four from the four final four teams, uh, you know, you really can't uh, you really can't uh, complain about that at all. Um, what do you think?
0: Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. I think if we were going to go with somebody else, I think Colton Iverson would have been a great choice for this because he really dominated that first game in Jerusalem, and he was also really solid in Tenerife as well. Uh, so I, I, I think he would have been a great choice for the team. But I don't have any problem with them going from the best player from one of the losing sides. So good to see James Feldine on the list. Unfortunately, he will not be in the Final Four as they were knocked off by Tenerife. We'll talk about that game coming up a little bit later with Timo Abramaitis. Also... I caught up with Brian Qualley and Tony Taylor from Virtus Bologna after that game. I was there in Italy to see that one in person, so stay tuned for those interviews. But let's jump in with the quarterfinal breakdowns.
3: Rice has the ball in his hands. He puts it on the deck, steps back, puts it up with a left hand. Tyrese Rice has done it yet again.
0: We're going to start it off with an absolute war of a game and a war of a series with Broza Bomberg beating Ike Athens. They actually lost the game 69 to 67, but they won on aggregate 138 to 136. Tyrese Rice with the series winning bucket with about five seconds left, a great little lefty floater. Over Howard Saint uh to take down Ike in front of a record attendance crowd, eighteen thousand fans in Athens. But Tyrese Rice delivered in the clutch again, and Brosa Bomberg are going to the final four. Dave, uh, what what did you think about Bomberg's performance? Uh, Rice, of course, was amazing, but he wasn't uh, he wasn't the only one who carried them here.
1: Yeah, I mean, this was really pretty much a, a continuation of the, of the battle Royale uh, from Bumberg And, uh, you know, there was the, there was the 12 point lead uh, in the fourth where it looked like, um, where it looked like, uh, you know, the, the champs might be heading back to the final four. Uh, but, you know, Bumberg dug down deep and uh, got back in it and, you know, Anytime you have rice, you know, you're in the game and, you know, they, you know, Bomberg did a, you know, didn't, didn't do quite as well as on, on Hunter as they had in the previous three games, uh, during the season. Uh, but they pretty much bottled everybody else up. Uh, you know, De, okay. De, uh, Delroy James did have a pretty solid game. Uh, but Theodore really didn't do that much Four of four of 13 from the field, nine points, Uh, he did have seven assists, but had four turnovers. Uh, and, you know, St. Rose obviously was, was, you know, trying his best to try to slow down rice. Uh, but he was also scoreless, uh, missing all six of his shots. You know, you called out, uh, James and Griffin, uh, to step up their production. You know, James did a good job with the, with the 12 points, Griffin, a little bit, you know, less, you know, five points. And, and, uh, in 14 minutes. He's not the reason they, they didn't advance, uh, Sakota, uh, Sakota, you know, he didn't have that great of a, of a showing either, you know, missed all five of his three pointers, nine points. Uh, but you know, just, you knew it was going to be, uh, a slug fest, you know, Bomberg play close games all year. And, uh, you know, just with a guy like rice, that's, that's really, I'm not going to say all you need, but, you know, that's that's like uh, half of what, you, what you're what you going to need, you know, because you know he's going to be there uh, when the clutch moment comes.
0: Yeah, Tyrese Rice was excellent. He played almost the entire game over 37 minutes. He finished with 25 points, uh, came up with a ton of great buckets for Bomberg in this game. You mentioned Vince Hunter struggling in the first three games against Bomberg. I thought he was great in this one, especially early on. He blocked Cliff Alexander on the first possession of the game then he had a tough and one. He forced Alexander into another turnover Uh, on the offensive end. He was finishing alley-oops. I think there were like three different times where Jordan Theodore found him for alley-oops. So I thought Hunter really stepped up, delivered the, you know, MVP level performance that we would expect to see from him. He finished with 19 points, 11 rebounds. He was great. Unfortunately, uh, like you mentioned, just not enough production elsewhere for Ike. I think they really could have used Jonas. Machulis in this game, who got hurt in the first leg of this series and is going to be out for the rest of the season. Uh, he's just an, another scorer, another shooter. I think they really could have used him. They were only three of 20 from the three-point line in this game and just continued their, their offensive struggles. You know, we mentioned last week they scored 68 points or fewer for the first time in uh, in in back-to-back games and in their previous 53 BCL games they had only done that twice so this was some of the some of the worst offense that we had seen from Ike in the BCL they followed that up with a 69 point performance in this one not quite enough to get it done um and dave what did what did you think of the last play there where after rice hit that shot there were still five seconds on the clock. Uh, Ike called a timeout. Luka Doncic draws up a play and it ends up being Laren Zakis who takes a really, really tough shot. It was, there was some contact. Uh, Zizis bumped him a little bit, but definitely not enough to call the foul in that situation. Uh, wh- what did you think about that final play? Cause to me, it looked like Laren had a passing lane where he could have. He, uh, dished the ball off to Vince Hunter with about three seconds left. Hunter could have gone up to the rim, and that's really the guy who you know that that that's what you would want in that last situation. I would think, right? Is is Vince Hunter going up to the rim? So, uh, what what did you think about that final sequence?
1: Yeah, I mean, um, Lunsakis had uh, you know he missed two three pointers as well in the, in those final two minutes. You know, going into that as well, and. Uh you, you know, you have to you have to praise the guy for wanting to step up. Um I don't know if that's the the right uh you know moment to 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 prove yourself as a winner. Yeah, I mean Hunter, uh you know that um you know he's gonna attack it, the rim, um if he gets it. It it looked like it was there to to be had. Um, you know, you don't know exactly what was called up. Um, and what the you know the options are off of that play uh you know if he drives you know you know who's supposed to be open where and um but it looked like it it looked like hunter was would have been there available and you know he would have gone up and if he didn't if he didn't make the the basket you know maybe he gets fouled and has the, the two pressure free throws to to send the game to overtime. Um, and, uh, yeah, and, and maybe if he makes it and, and, and is fouled, you have a three point play to, to, to send the, uh, uh, to, to get to the final four, you know, it's a uh, unfortunate that Lawrence, I you know, missed the shot and that, and that we'll, will you know, we'll never know, I guess. Um, but, you know, you know, tip your hat also to to Bomberg for coming up with the defensive, uh, perf- you know, the defensive stop uh, when it counted.
0: Yeah, good defense from Bomberg on that final possession to beat the defending champions, beat their former coach in Luka Bonnke in advance to the final four. Dave, any final thoughts on this game
1: before we move on? Uh, no, I mean, I have a couple in, in, in overtime, but, uh, yeah, I mean, just, you know, we expected to be a slugfest, uh, a tight, a tight game because that's what Bomberg do. And, and, uh, you know, you, you, you know, it, it was, it was a, it was a champion. It was a championship game worthy, uh, uh you know really tie the both games so uh congrats to bomberg to reaching the final four in their first year in the in the basketball champions league well punter time on the ball against Konate in the lane jumps high kevin punter right at the end of the first quarter and he
4: gets the crowd into the game
0: all right moving on to the game that i was at in person virtus bologna beating Nanter 73 to 58 winning the aggregate by seven points this was an incredibly physical game uh, an all-out war in terms of the amount of contact uh, bodies were hitting the floor left and right the referees were really letting them play uh, it was it was a very physical game an incredible atmosphere in Bologna those fans were amazing all game long and even you know a half hour before the game they were packing the arena they were chanting singing getting the flags waving it was just really an incredible atmosphere there in Bologna, and it was unquestionably an advantage for the home side. Nanterre looked a little bit nervous uh, on, on the road there, and Bologna's physical play matched the energy of the crowd. I think that was a huge factor. Their defense was great. Uh, they had Kelvin Martin back, which was a big factor. We talked to I talked to Brian Qualley about him after the game, and he mentioned that Martin brought everything that they needed that they didn't have in that first game when he was at Just that toughness, that heart... That physicality. You look at the box score, only two points for Martin. But uh the defense that he played on Jeremy Sanglin was great. So Bologna really jumped on Nanterre early. They led, uh they were in control for most of the game. There was a point there in the fourth quarter where Nanterre started to make a little bit of a comeback. Uh hit a couple threes, and and it seemed like Nanterre might be able to get back in it. But Bologna uh just too much too much physicality, great offensive rebounding, great performance from their big guys, Dejan Kravich and Brian Qualley. And they were able to get some steals, get out in in transition for some easy dunks and hold on to the win. Uh, Dave, you were watching this one from afar. What kind of jumped out to you uh, from from this game?
1: Uh, You know, you mentioned Martin and, uh, you know, we we talked about the rebounding last last week and and the physicality and 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 actually one of the things that that uh, you know without uh, you know giving away too much of uh, what Brian Qualley says you know just the the physicality um, that uh, that this team uh, really played with and and sort of you know the focus on defense um, that that kind of changed up. Uh, you know, Martin was such an important part. We we talked about how much he was missed last week. I thought Kravich played fantastic. Um, you know, he you know, we also we we talked about how you know Treadwell and Gamble really took advantage of those guys last week and and you know Kravich especially uh just really stepped up. Um you know quality also played played a great game and uh you know you, you look at punter's numbers and and you see you know struggling uh maybe a little bit offensively uh with a three of thirteen one of seven for threes with with let's call it just the nine points um but the you, you don't um it, he he was much much more a part of this offense and you saw that uh, the numbers don't necessarily sh- uh show that I mean he did have uh he did have five five assists no turnovers in, in nearly 30 minutes. Uh, punter, you know, the numbers might look, look great, especially shooting, but you know, he was just a huge, uh, uh, had a huge, uh, part of this victory. Um, you know, one of the things I want to ask you, I mean, so you went to, you went to Ike, um, in the, in the, uh, uh, in the round of 16 here, you're in the quarterfinals in Bologna, maybe just talk about the, the comparison of those atmospheres and and maybe the Greek fans compared to, to the Bologna fans uh, maybe for those who don't get out to uh, BCL games uh, maybe talk about, uh, you know, what made the crowd uh, such a, you know, there's such a history of this with this club and, and, you know, we, you know, we always talk about that they have a strong home court advantage. Maybe talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Both great home crowds.
0: Ike have a larger capacity arena. They have more fans there. Uh, so that's, that's a, that's a factor. They set the BCL attendance record in their game against Bomberg with 18,000 fans. In Italy, it's at the arena called the Paladoza. It's a little bit smaller of an environment, maybe five to six thousand fans. Um, but the, they're just rowdy. They're, chanting the entire game, singing, jumping up and down, waving the flags around, um, just making an incredible amount of noise. Uh, it's it's an incredibly different, difficult environment to play in, and I, I think the small arena also makes it more of an environment because it feels like the fans are right on top of you. Um, I, I think non-tear, that was a big factor. Of course, Bologna played great defense, but non-tear, 18 turnovers, only 6 of 26 from the three-point line. That's 23% We talked all season long about how they were one of the top two three point shooting teams in the BCL, and I think the crowd was a was a big factor in that. And you you mentioned the history, you know, Bologna have won European titles. Uh, they, they're one of the most successful clubs in European history. Um, of course, they were the, the club of Manu Ginobili before he went to the NBA and played with the San Antonio Spurs. And he led them to a bunch of championships. So a, a ton of history there. It's been 10 years since Bologna have won a European trophy. Keith Langford led them to the FIBA Euro Challenge trophy back in 2009. And now 10 years later, they'll get to fight for Another European trophy as they head to the final four. Um, you mentioned Punter, only nine points. <clears throat> three of thirteen shooting, but yeah, his his presence in this game was much larger than that. uh In the first half, when Bologna really made a big run and went up by double digits, it was on the back of of punter making some big plays, uh hitting a three pointer, getting a steal, and throwing an alley oop today on Kravich that that really like sent the crowd into a frenzy, and they <laughs> threw a bunch of stuff on the court. They had to stop. They had to stop play for twenty seconds or so to clean up the court and keep it going. But that energy that he brought um, he also had a, a really great no-look pass in transition uh, in the second half just kind of that swagger that confidence that, that he brought really uh, personified this Bologna team you know they they definitely played like the more confident team they, they looked completely different than they did in Non-Tear in terms of their energy their spirit their hustle uh, so Bologna really deserving of this final four spot of course they started the year 7 and 0 looked phenomenal cooled off a little bit but this this game this looked like the bologna that we saw in the in the beginning of the regular season when they were uh just rolling through teams so bologna Playing great basketball, look ready for the final four. Uh, David, any, any final thoughts here on this game, or or maybe on uh, Jeremy Singlin, who he finished with 11 points, but he had five turnovers. Only two of those points came in the first half. He was minus 17 for the game. Uh, so Bologna did a really great job on him. Yeah,
1: I mean they they said, all right, we can't we can't let him beat beat us, and that's exactly what happened. You know, they you know four of 12. Just look at the numbers, four of 12. From the field, uh, zero assists, five turnovers. I'd say they shut him down.
0: Yeah, absolutely. hucker Paulson from non he finished with 18 points. He was kind of the only guy who didn't look a little bit scared in the first half. Uh, everybody else on non seemed like their confidence was was shaken. They were a bit rattled by the environment, by Bologna's physical play. And the veteran Paulson stepped up with 18 points, but non uh, didn't get much. From everybody else on the roster, Julian Gamble, only two points, uh, Juscovicius, 10, Treadwell, 8, but just, just not enough. And, of course, it's a shame that they were without Dominic Waters, who was great for them in the regular season and got hurt, was not able to play in the quarterfinals, but just not enough on Nanterre to survive against this tough Bologna defense. Let's go now to my interview after the game. I caught up with Tony Taylor and Brian Qualley. Let's hear from Tony Taylor first. All right, I'm here with Tony Taylor. Tony, first of all, man, congrats on making it to the Final Four. How Thanks. you feeling right now?
4: Man, words can't describe. I think I lost my voice from yelling uh, so much. I mean, I got so close last year uh, and just being, being able to... Uh, push through and win this game was, it was just tremendous through these these guys. These guys that I play with, man, they, my teammates, they're so good, man. Maybe we just fought through, and, and I'm just happy. Man. I, words can't explain. I'm just rambling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, understandable, man. Uh, super physical game. How uh, how you feeling right now? Seems
0: like you guys were maybe the tougher team in this one. Where, you know, there's a lot of fouls back in France. Mm-hmm. This time, the refs were letting you guys play a little bit. What did you think about just kind of the flow of the game and, uh, and the
4: physicality of it? We want to be a physical team. So uh, that that's what we need. So... Um, I'll feel it tomorrow, but I'm not even worried about that right now. The adrenaline is still pumping. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm hype. Uh, I'm just, I'm just thankful. Nice. And yeah, you. Uh, so you only played like four and a half minutes in the first half, mm-hmm. and then you came out
0: in the third quarter. You were super aggressive, attacking the rim. Mm-hmm. What was kind of your mindset at, at halftime, uh, with
4: leading to that change? I uh, can't worry about the past. Whatever happened in the first half happened, and uh, I just tried to stay focused. And my teammates really just pushed me through that. They, they. My teammates, my coaches—they just pushed me through that to to give me confidence and be like, "Hey, first half first half happened. Let's let's focus on the second half and let's push through." And, and I was able to help my team get a, a little jolt of energy. Yeah,
0: Jeremy Singlin—he had a great game back in France mm-hmm. when they beat you guys. Uh, he was a lot more quiet
4: today. What what kind of changed between games one and two? Do you think? Oh, uh, we got a lot of guys rotating on them. Uh, David Cornewin and, and Kelvin Martin did an absolutely great job on him pressuring him the entire game with in and out and in and out and I think we just played a overall good team defense today for sure what'd you think of the fans out there today Man, the fans, every single game is like this And the, you felt the energy as soon as you walk, walk out on the court It's an amazing atmosphere to play in and, and I'm thankful to be able to play here And I'm thankful to have these fans These fans are unbelievable Cool, and you guys, so you made a coaching change a little bit ago mm-hmm. With Sakopanti
0: leaving, yes. Georgievich coming in uh, What, what kind of changes happened with that? Was it like a, like a shift in personality or like a shift in tactics or anything like that
4: That, that kind of happened? Well, it's always going to be a shift when you change coaches or change players or any anything. We changed uh players, we got Mario as well. Mm-hmm. So, we all had to just adjust to what coach wants and 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 uh how he wants to play defensively, offensively, it was it was for sure a shift, but I, I think uh guys are adjusting well and, and we're trying to do the best that we can every single day and, and absorbing and everything that he's uh giving out. Cool. Last question
0: man, Vietas Bologna in the final four, how's that sound? I love it. I <laughs> <All laughs> love right, it, man. let's go. All right, I'll let you go celebrate. Thanks, man. Yeah, have a good night, man. Thanks. Man. All right. Thanks again to Tony for his time. It was it was fun talking to him. He was incredibly excited uh, right after the game, uh, and yeah, I thought it, it was really cool. He was saying that he was so close to making it last year with Banvit. They made it to the quarterfinals. Eventually, lost to Monaco. You could tell how much this really meant to Tony Taylor. Uh, Dave, w- w- what did you think about what he had to say?
1: Yeah, I mean, you you can you see what uh, what it means to these guys. You know, interestingly enough, you know they lost uh, Banvit lost the first leg uh again um um by eight points uh back in uh back last season and we're, weren't able to to come back from that and he was able to do it this time uh yeah good you know you know obviously anytime you can reach a final four it, it, it means a lot especially if you were if you were so close uh, the season before. Yeah,
0: and Tony Taylor and Banvit, they beat Nanterre in the round of 16 last year to advance to the quarterfinals. Now Taylor beats Nanterre in the quarterfinals to make it to the Final Four. All right, next up, I also talked to Brian Quali in Bologna. So let's go to that interview now. <laughs> All right, I'm here with Brian Qualley. Brian, you just helped your team make it to the Champions League Final Four. How are you feeling right now?
3: I feel fantastic. We've been through a lot of ups and downs this year. We've uh, stayed together. We had changes throughout the team, throughout the year. We've uh, uh, worked hard in the first round to finish first place, and then we uh, have just been fighting uh, game to game and we really, we had to win by at least eight points tonight. Uh, it was tough to play in that tier but we stayed together. We had a huge crowd effort with us and uh, the atmosphere was incredible. So to win and go to the Final Four was a, a, a big goal for our team and now we're not finished. We, we need to go win the whole thing.
0: Yeah, so you mentioned you guys lost by eight points in Nantes and then you get the big win tonight. What what do you think were kind of the main differences between games one and two for you guys?
3: Uh, game two, we... we we had our, our fans support, we had the, the crowd, we had our energy, and we played incredible defense. Game one, they they had a really good game plan that we were not, I mean, we're still learning new things with a new coach, new system, and we were not quite uh, all on the same idea, same page, and they had a lot of energy in that tier. So we, we fought hard, but we didn't we didn't uh, play as well as we could have, and we made changes, we prepared, and, and now we, we executed and, and the yeah. uh, game two worked a lot better for us and yeah. in front of our home crowd.
0: Yeah, and uh, Jeremy Singlin had a great game in the first one, 16 points. He was a lot more quiet today. I think he only had two in the first half. Uh, what did you guys do differently to to contain him?
3: I remember watching uh, in, the, in the first game, I remember he hit some really tough step back, end of the shot clock, uh, three-pointers, hand in your face, three-pointers. So. Uh, he's a talented player, and we, we tried to contain him this game, and uh, it's a lot more difficult when the, the fans are screaming down on, on him instead of with him. So maybe the, the fans and the atmosphere helped us as well, but we, we really focused together to put a better defensive plan and a team game plan and uh, I think we we executed it to the best of our abilities
0: yeah and one of the things I thought was interesting so in the first game the team shot 63 combined free throws here there was eight total in the first half so did did it feel like they were letting you play a lot
3: more it definitely felt that way I I thought the same thing after the first half I was wondering did we even shoot any free throws no you didn't yeah okay yeah so it, it, yeah, it felt strange. Uh, uh, they were definitely letting us play, or just uh, it was just a physical atmosphere. And we came out physical from the start, like we wanted to do, and maybe uh, they just had to get used to the physical play because we were going to do it the whole the whole game. That was our strategy.
0: Right. It seemed like you guys were maybe getting a little bit nervous there in the fourth quarter. It's kind of like a nervous energy when like uh, they, they got fouled on that three, hit the free throws, hit a couple shots. Uh, how were you feeling like the last you know four or five minutes
3: there? Uh, it's it's. It's a strange uh, situation when you're looking at the the game and you're you're winning by 13 points, but really you're winning by five points. Right, so yeah. it's a it's you're always kind of checking, doing the math, and making sure. So it's a it, it did get to be a little bit uh, close there at the end, and we had to regroup, stick together, run our plays. We got a, kind of out of our rhythm offensively and just started going up and down without without executing our plays. So we had to slow things down, execute, and uh, Fortunately, we were able to turn around in those last few minutes.
0: Yeah, you guys, you didn't have Kelvin Martin in the first game. He obviously played a big mm-hmm. role out there today. What, is, uh, what does he bring to the team?
3: He's Everything that we were kind of looking for that first game, the, the toughness, the energy, the physicality. And, uh, I mean, he's he's a great, uh, in the locker room as well. So, like, he brings people together. He, he's always uh, talking and supportive, and... It, just a great teammate to have out there on your side. Yeah. I I like having him on my side. I played against him before in the past, and uh, it's a lot better to have him on your side, uh, fighting against rebounds and, and playing pick and roll defense with him uh, on your team.
0: Yeah, it doesn't seem like that would be fun no. to no. go against him. And good thing he found his contact lens too. He yeah. that was uh, yeah. that was like a potential like kind of weird game-changing moment, you know, if he can't find that. I don't know. if he, Hopefully, got, he, has, hopefully I, he
3: has backups. but He should, but I've, I've been through the same thing, man. Yeah. I, I, I've been doing this for a long time, and I, I know exactly the same feeling he was going through, so I'm happy, <laughs> happy that worked out.
0: Right. You, you mentioned you guys had some changes this year, um, of course, with Djordjevic coming in mm-hmm. pretty recently. Uh, what have been kind of the biggest things that have, that have changed with the coaching change? Mm.
3: Uh, man, I, it's hard to... A lot. A lot has changed. We completely restructured practice. We can reconstructed our offense, our defense. Uh, we've, we put a lot more focus on defense. Uh, before we were a very offensively talented team, but we didn't put quite as much focus on defense. And now it's transformed to running, executing plays on offense, but really focusing on winning games with defense. And we did that today. And practice is much more intense. and. Uh, the team seems to be coming together day by day we're still learning and, and growing with the system but we're improving every day
0: cool and I don't know if you've seen the other results yet but right now uh, all the games are done so the final four is Bomberg they beat Ike uh Tenerife beat Jerusalem and then Antwerp beat Nizhny so it's those three and you guys in the final four obviously you're really fresh off this game here so you probably haven't had any time to think about it but just mm-hmm. kind of what are some initial thoughts you know heading into the Champions League Final Four uh,
3: those are some surprising surprising games I mean they, there's been some big upsets coming into this uh, even in the last round to get to this point so uh, those final four teams are really really good teams they've worked their way to be there uh, we've all fought to be there and we're gonna continue to do that we're gonna wherever it's. Uh, the tournament's going to take place wherever the final four takes place. We're going to uh, we're going to show. Up. We're going to give everything that we have, and uh, we now that we're here, we're, we're not stopping until we till we win this thing.
0: All right. Thanks again to Brian for his time. Uh, Dave, what, what did you think about what he said there?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, really, kind of, uh, you know, said exactly what we kind of all thought. You know that that you know when they weren't on the same page in game one and you know, especially defensively, uh, that was clear, clearly the case, you know, 35% uh, shooting for, for an Ontario, 18 turnovers, uh, you know, holding them to 23% from the three point three point, uh, line, uh, I would say they were on the same page, especially defensively.
0: Yeah, for sure. Incredible team effort from Bologna to make it to the final four, All right, let's move on, Dave, to the next game. Telenet Giants-Antwerp winning at home 66-61 against Nizhny Novgorod. They won the aggregate by 20 points. That was the biggest margin of victory for any of the Final Four teams. Unfortunately, Nizhny were without their star, Kendrick Perry, who was injured and was unable to make the trip. And, of course, they lost the first leg by 15 points. So once it was announced that Perry was going to be out, I I think there was really not much hope ...for this Disney team. Vladimir Dragasevich did step up 16 points, 10 rebounds... Uh, ...but just not enough for Disney to overcome Antwerp. And the young kids... At home, got the job done. Uh, Dave, we've mentioned it multiple times throughout the season. Nobody on this Antwerp team is older than 27. Not much experience there, but they came up through the quarterfinals. They took care of business in the round of 16 against Morsia. Now they beat Nizni and we've got Antwerp in the final four. Uh, what did you think about their performance here in the quarterfinals?
1: Yeah, I mean, you mentioned uh, Kendrick Perry, you know, Ian Hummer also wasn't there. He didn't play in the first leg. Um, you know, that's, you know, that's, I don't, I, I didn't uh, look and figure out how much percentage.
0: Ivan uh, Strebkov as well also missed both games after playing a big role throughout the season. Yeah. I mean, how
1: much, what percentage of the, of your scoring is that, you know, and, and, and once it was a 10 point lead, you know midway through the second quarter you know there's you know not there's just not enough offense there um to to come back from in that in that regard than a 25 point deficit so you know it was it was uh you know it was a pretty you know you look at uh you know one of the things that that coach morse did then is is you know did a pretty good job of keeping everybody you know everybody's minutes you know kind of in check. Uh, Lee only 23 van Wyne had 25 uh Baku that had kind of been uh you know a little bit questionable whether or not he would play you know played uh, uh just you know 18 and a half uh so you know did a did a good job uh with keeping the minutes down uh, knowing that you know there's a there's a couple of important games coming up uh, in the uh, in the Belgian League so yeah you know you knew that the, there'd be there'd have to be a a uh, Perry Superman-like performance from probably at least two guys uh, from um, from Nizhny in order to get this done. It just wasn't the case.
0: Yeah, Kendrick Perry scored 34 points in a quarterfinal game against Venezia when Nizhny won that one by 23. They really needed a performance like that from him in the second leg. Once it was announced that he was injured, I, I think that was that was basically. A wrap on this one with Antwerp going to the final form. Incredible coaching job by Roel Moores throughout the season. Uh, not only drawing up some great plays, like out of timeouts, he he draws up beautiful stuff. Deacon Lloyd-Smith and Igor Djurkovic, they've been writing about that on the website throughout the season. The guy draws up great plays, puts his guys in a position to succeed. But more so than that, just the uh, the coaching job he's done with the mentality of building these guys' confidence of you know of you know they they certainly belong at this level you know they went through that tough group in group C we talked about this with Ismail Bako going up against Bomberg and Ike two other quarter and, and Hapoel Jerusalem Three of the seven quarterfinal teams that were not Antwerp, uh, Antwerp played against them in the regular season, and that that really helped, I think, kind of boost their confidence, put them in a position to succeed and, and get to the final four. And I'm I'm really excited for this team. I'm really excited to see them in the final four. I think they're going to be the, they're going to be underdogs, but they're certainly dangerous. And uh, yeah, uh, Dave, any any final thoughts here? Or should we move on to the last game?
1: Let's let's talk about uh, Tenerife.
0: All right, Tenerife, the team that Dave was adamant would not make the final four throughout the season. Yeah, you know I'll say it
1: now. I'll say it. Here's I, I'm gonna I'm gonna. T- uh, hey man, you get that's one of the things you have to do when you when you make both predictions. You also have to you know fess up and 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 uh, have your portion of humble pie. You know I, you know I've been I was finding reasons why this team you know didn't convince me all year. And, uh, you know, hey, man, they, they showed up, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, they they punched uh, Prometheus in the face in the in the first quarter after lo- after being uh, after losing by 12 in, in the in the round of 16 uh, and then put down, slapped down a a, a big first quarter 15-0 run. And, uh, yeah, I mean, go ahead, to, you know, uh, Tenerife congrats to them and uh yeah I, humble pie man they 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 uh, they they definitely showed me that uh, that they are worthy to be in the in the final four.
0: Well, not only you, but we had our preview prediction podcast and all four of us, you, myself, Deacon, Igor, I think also Jeff Taylor on that podcast, we all picked Jerusalem to advance. So Tenerife, uh, you know, not not surprising. We knew it was going to be, um, you know, we we thought it was going to be close, but we all picked Jerusalem. Instead, it's Tenerife advancing. You mentioned that rampage in the first quarter, winning that 24 to 10, just a barrage of three pointers, Nicolas Casino had three threes in the first quarter. Tenerife were five of nine from the three-point line. In the first quarter, to build that big lead, whereas Habibl Jerusalem really did not look like themselves in the first quarter. They were zero of four from the three point line. They were missing some good looks from the mid range. Uh, Tenerife, of course, played really good defense. They shut down the rim area. Did a great job of taking away those alley oops that Jerusalem loved to th- love to throw. Um, but Jerusalem also just didn't didn't look quite like themselves. You know, I think they were also maybe a little bit rattled by the by the situation, but they did make a comeback. They cut the lead down to 30 to 24 at one point. Uh so they were only down by four points on aggregate. Looked like it was going to be a good game, but Tenerife just kept coming and coming. Uh, we mentioned uh, uh, you know, Brusino finished with 15 points. Tim Abramitis had 21 points, nine rebounds, really did a lot of his damage in the second half to put this game away. Colton Iverson started the game uh, with a couple quick buckets to put Tenerife in a, in a good position to win. Uh, Farron Bassas hit some big shots. He finished with 14 points. He had three three-pointers. And as a team, Tenerife, 12 of 30 from the three-point line, 40 percent, the type of shooting performance that we've come to expect from them, especially on their home court in front of those fans. Uh, So it was a great performance from Tenerife on the offensive side of the ball, getting 81 points. But Dave, how about that defensive effort holding this Jerusalem team to only 64, their lowest total in BCL history?
1: Um, You know... a guy we've been talking about all year for the high level of maturity, uh, you know, beyond his years. Tamir Blatt was a non-factor. Uh, totally took him out of the game. Three points um, and uh, just three assists in 22 minutes. Three turnovers. Uh, was never really able to. You mentioned the the alley oops and stuff. Was never really able to uh, to to get the the team moving and um uh you know definitely fantastic performance by by tenerifa and that and you know we i think I, I think it was last week um uh whenever it was you know i mentioned the th- the three pointers uh you know with Tenerife you know being kind of known as a three-point shooting team but uh, you know whenever they do lose games uh the opposing teams have always shot well from three point range, something like at least you know, thirty-eight, thirty-nine percent, something like that. And you look at um six six of twenty uh from three point range for uh Hapo Jerusalem, thirty percent. And you know, that was you know, that was a huge key and, and and turning them over sixteen times. So um yeah, hey, you know, congratulations, a fantastic performance. And uh And, uh, you know, a worthy, a worthy performance. And uh, the champs um, from 2017 are back. And uh, a big part of it was uh, a lot of those guys who who were on that on that championship winning team.
0: Yeah, I think the championship experience was a big factor in this game. Dave talks to Tim Abramidus about that. We'll have that interview coming up in a few minutes. Uh, Two final points here from me is that Tenerife, you mentioned Jerusalem had 16 turnovers. Tenerife did a great job punishing them on those turnovers. They had 19 points off of turnovers. A lot of those were three-pointers that that really were um, really crucial in building this lead. Whereas Tenerife, they had 15 turnovers themselves, but Jerusalem only scored eight points after those turnovers. They weren't able to get out in transition. They weren't able to take advantage of that situation. And the second point is second chance points. Tenerife uh, did a really good job on the offensive glass, getting 11 offensive rebounds for 14 second chance points. Jerusalem also pretty good, nine offensive rebounds, but only six second chance points. They just weren't able to capitalize on their opportunities in the same way that Tenerife did. And, you know, you mentioned Blatt. Really poor game for him. I think he was maybe um just kind of affected uh mentally by by that first quarter, you know, that that big run that Tenerife had. He just never really got in the game. Amari um, Stademeyer also only seven points, four turnovers, five fouls. Uh, Jerusalem in general really struggled with foul trouble in this game, especially in the third quarter and then in the fourth quarter with guys fouling out. And it, it, it seemed like they were letting the refs get in their head a little bit as well. And just, um, you know, overall, Jerusalem just didn't really show up. Felding finished with 20 points. Uh, a, Butler had 11, but not, not much production elsewhere. And, and they didn't do enough defensively to keep themselves in the game. Um, Dave, any, any final points or should we go to overtime?
1: Let's go to overtime.
0: All right. Five topics from around the league. We'll get through these pretty quickly before our interview with Tim Abramidas. First up stat of the week, Dave, what is your stat of the week?
1: Um, I'm going to go with 94. Um, Tenerife held... Jerusalem came into the quarterfinals. We talk about this with uh, with uh, Abramidis. Um, Jerus- Jerusalem came into the quarterfinals as the number one offensive scoring team. Uh, Tenerife held, held them to 94 points in the final 60 minutes, including only 10 points in the third quarter of the first game and only 10 points in the first quarter of the second game. Tenerife have, uh, allowed fewer than 65 points in six of their seven home games in playoffs, uh, in the playoff history of the BCL. The only time they weren't able to do that was against Murcia when they allowed 83. So that's what I got. Uh, just more stuff on that. Uh, great Tenerife defense. What do you got?
0: Yeah, my stat of the week is 45. Uh, Virtus Bologna, the only team in the BCL to have scored 45 points or more in the paint in multiple playoff games. Oh. Uh, they 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 really dominated. Yeah, they really dominated the paint against Nanterre in the second leg. Uh, we mentioned Dayon Kravich had a really great game. He had 12 points. Quali was doing some damage inside, getting offensive rebounds and putbacks. Um, and and it wasn't just the big guys either. The other guys. Um, a lot of this happened in transition, um, you know, fast break dunks. Uh, but Tony Taylor, one of the smallest guys on the court, he was relentless in the second half attacking the rim, got six quick points in the third quarter to really keep Bologna's energy up, keep them rolling. So 45 points or more in the paint for Bologna and in back in, uh, in two playoff games uh, to help them get to the final four. Next up, surprise of the week. I'll go first on this one. And my surprise was just Jerusalem just not really showing up in this game didn't look like themselves at all. Um, obviously credit to Tenerife for that, for, for taking them out of the game. But Jerusalem just seemed like mentally, emotionally, they weren't quite ready for this game. I'm not sure what happened there. I don't know if it was the long trip to Israel or what the deal was, but, um, you know, I, I'm not surprised that Tenerife won and advanced because they are a great team, but I am surprised that it was a blowout like this to win by 17 points. Uh, to win the aggregate by 15. I was really surprised by that. I thought this was going to be like Ike versus Bomberg where it comes down to the final minute. Somebody has to make a big play uh, to to send their team to the final four. Instead, Tenerife really just dominated this game from the opening tip in, in Jerusalem, couldn't quite respond. So that was my surprise of the week. Dave, what do you have for this one?
1: Uh, I'm going to go to Nanterre, uh Hitting just six of twenty-six three-pointers, twenty-three uh, percent. The only time they shot worse uh, in the season was against an Italian team, Venezia, just seventeen percent in, in uh, game day thirteen. I just, um, especially, you know, mentioned uh, uh, Iskavicius. You know, just two of eight. Um, I, I thought that that uh, the one of the best shooting teams, uh, one of the best three-point three shooting teams. Uh, would have been able to come up with a better performance, but again, you have to tip your hat to Bologna. So that's the surprise that, to me, that that Nanterre wasn't able to do more uh, from the outside.
0: Next up, we have overreaction Friday, Dave. I'll let you go first on this one. Uh, what, what's your overreaction?
1: Um, I'm going to say Antwerp are getting even better. Uh, you go back and uh, you you might not realize it, and and it's not a very you know big stat line, uh, but uh, um, Moses Kingsley, five minutes, twenty four seconds, missed both of his shots, didn't grab any rebounds or anything like that. Just but but played the first game of the season for him uh, in the BCL. Um, you know this is a guy that, um, you know, averaged eleven points, six rebounds, led the led the Belgian league in blocks last season in his rookie season. Uh, was a uh, uh was the SEC. Uh, player of the year, uh, preseason pick uh, with Arkansas. Ended up being an all all a uh, second team all SEC uh, in his senior year. Uh, he missed seven months with a back injury, and six ten Nigerian uh, rim protector enforcer. So you have all of those weapons, and now you're adding. Uh, a guy who averaged 11 and six in the in the belgian uh, Belgian league uh leading shot blocker and uh are we are they getting even better now and now you have almost a month to work him into uh into things offensively because you know he's going to be there defensively so my overreaction are antwerp getting even better what do you got
0: Yeah, that's a great point that you're going to be very dangerous in the final four. My overreaction, I'm moving to Bologna. I loved it. I loved it there. It was amazing. Uh, the, the atmosphere at the game, of course, was incredible. It's known as Basket City because they had two great teams uh, in the 90s in particular, kind of in the golden age with Virtus Bologna and their rivals, Fortitudo, ba- battling it out. It's a true basketball city through and through. Uh, and Fortitudo, they just won the Italian second division. So they're going to be moving up to the Italian first division, bringing back that rivalry, that great derby be the crosstown rivals uh so that's going to be amazing next year and of course Virtus bologna flying high making it to the final four in the bcl also the food is incredible i think everyone knows that about bologna uh just a cool little town in general but a, a basketball city the environment was amazing at that game so i i think i might be moving to bologna dave sounds good man do it next up we have the player from the quarterfinals who we will miss the most in the final four. So which player uh, from the, from the losing team that we will miss in the final four, I'll go first with this one. And I'm going to say Vince Hunter. Uh, I've loved watching this guy all season long plays with so much energy, so much passion, uh, constantly hitting the floor, hustling. He's so active uh, I, th- I thought he was clearly the MVP of the regular season. Uh, he I was eventually outperformed by Tyrese Rice in this series. Uh, you know he struggled in the first game against Cliff Alexander, but he really responded in the second game. Did everything he could for Ike. I wish he could have got the ball on that last possession to potentially send them to the Final Four. But I'm gonna miss Vince Hunter. That guy was so much fun to watch all season long, and he's still young as well. So great things ahead for Vince Hunter. Uh, Dave, who do you have for this one?
1: I'm gonna say a uh, guy I've been uh, touting all year as the underrated player of the year: Tashawn uh, Thomas, uh, eight points, eleven rebounds, uh, three steals, two blocks. Guy's been uh, doing it all season for uh, a team with so many. Great weapons and big name weapons and everything else. And, you know, it's really kind of just been, uh, you know, flying under the radar. At least that's my feeling. And, uh, you know, I would have loved to have been able to see two more games of, uh, of Thomas in the, uh, in the uh, final four. So I'm going to miss him.
0: Yeah, and I'm going to throw Kendrick Perry into this mix as well. Uh, I loved watching Kendrick Perry this season. It it would have been cool to see him in in a Final Four setting with, uh, with the way he steps up in big games. But unfortunately... Uh, Nizhny, not able to get it done against Antwip and the last topic, the best moment of the quarterfinals, this could be a big shot, a huge block, any, any just kind of special moment. Uh, Dave, what was your favorite moment from the quarterfinals?
1: Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to say in the Ike bumper game, you know, Ike had, had used that 12 2 run to, to take the, to take the 12 point lead. Uh, and it looked like everything was was uh was going in in Ike's uh, way, um, and uh, and then Bryce Taylor uh came up, nailed three three pointers, uh, within uh, two minutes, and uh, made it a made it a five point game, made it a one point game uh, uh on aggregate, you know, Taylor had um and he almost made another three pointer with a minute and a half left um but uh you know he he only scored 6 points in the three previous playoff games and only had 19 points in the previous seven games uh so just and as a guy that's been battling injuries uh so much uh over the last year and a half and to see him step up uh and uh and really Give the spark that was needed, you know, back to back to back, basically three pointers. Uh, I'm going to say that was my my favorite moment, uh, just because it's a guy I've also followed a lot here in Germany, uh, and is a really nice guy to to come up with uh, with that uh, barrage of threes to really get uh, to really bring Bamberg back into this one. Uh, what are you going to remember most about the uh, quarterfinals?
0: yeah just one one final thought there it was really cool to see taylor do that a guy who's missed a lot of time with injuries to come up with those threes and i thought it was cool that tyrese rice after the game on twitter was uh was talking talking up bryce taylor um because of course you know rice 25 points hit the game winning shot he's going to get a lot of the credit but they don't get to that point if taylor doesn't hit those three three pointers so great moment there for me my favorite moment uh it's Probably because I was there in person, but just watching Bologna celebrate after that game, uh, just the, the pure joy on these guys' faces. Um, you know, you, you can really get a sense of. What these guys have been through throughout the course of a long season, uh, it it takes a toll on your body, it takes a toll on your mind throughout the year, and just the the joy and uh, the the passion and just everything that you saw from these guys from the from the from the buzzer and then talking to Tony Taylor maybe like fifteen minutes after the game ended, um, he was just buzzing and and just the the pure joy coming off of him. It, it was uh, it was really cool to. See that, and so that that was uh, that was my favorite moment. Of course, the opposite side you've got the non tear guys who are incredibly disappointed. Their their BCL season coming to an end after a hard fought year. Uh, but that that was my favorite moment, just kind of seeing the the players celebrate there in Bologna after earning a trip to the final four. So that's going to do it for overtime. Coming up next, we have Dave's interview with quarterfinals MVP, Tim Abramidus. He stepped up for Tenerife, 21 points, nine rebounds in the second leg of the quarterfinals as they took down Jerusalem. Dave and I will join you on the other side of the interview to wrap things up, but here's Tim Abramidus.
3: Could be the dagger. Abramitis for three.
2: Another one. Tim Abramidus. They didn't get it. Abramitis definitely got it.
1: Okay, so on the show this week, we have Tim Abramitis from Iwastar Tenerife. Uh, Tim, thanks for uh, taking some time for uh, coming on the show.
2: Thanks for having me. Glad
1: to be here. Um, You guys are 81-64 victors over Hopel Jerusalem in the home return leg for a 15-point aggregate win over the Israeli team uh, to reach the final four uh, congrats on on reaching the basketball Champions League final four how's it feel to be back
2: it's nice I mean it's it was uh, you know not an easy road to get here um, but from the start uh, a goal for the team was to to get back to the final four we were obviously really disappointed last year when we didn't make it and were, we're knocked out in the round of 16 but Um, it feels great to, to be back in the final four and, and to be able to, to compete for, for another championship, hopefully.
1: Uh, Jerusalem came into the quarterfinals as the number one offense. Uh, maybe what concerned your team the most, uh, about them and and how they play?
2: Well, I mean, they're obviously a, a great offensive team. Um, they have a ton of talent at every position. You know, we tried everything. We threw a lot of different defenses at them. Um. But I think mainly we just played really aggressively, uh, with a lot of energy and, and a lot of focus. And um, maybe we got a little bit lucky that they were missing shots. But um, I think we were forcing them into tough ones, and 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 really did a good job of, of scouting them and knowing knowing their strengths, and um, and being able to to slow them down a little bit, like like other teams really haven't been able to do. <laughs>
1: uh exactly slowed them down uh you know they scored 94 points in the final 60 minutes of this of this tie you know you look at the 10 points in the third quarter of the first game and 10 points in the first quarter of the the second game uh what would you say were the were the keys in, in that defensive effort then how did you guys slow that slow down this high octane offense
2: um well, literally by slowing them down i mean they are, I mean, such a fast team that is able to run in transition. Um, one of the the keys for us was to stop their fast breaks and not let them get easy layups or, you know, good good looks at transition. Um, so that meant maybe having one guy stay back on defense instead of going for offensive rebounds and um, really just sprinting back and finding your man and communicating. Um and then, always being aware of who the shooters were. Um, Feldin is is one of the best players in offense in, in all of Europe. and uh, he was really key for us, even though he still he still scored a lot in both games. Um, but trying to rotate and and contest every shot was was key for us, and I think we did a really good job of 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 not giving up easy looks both in in transition and in in half court.
1: Uh you you scored 16 points or more in four of the uh four of the first 15 games this season and then you went off for 16 and 23 uh in in uh against against Jerusalem. Uh what was really working for you and maybe was it part of the game plan for you to be more aggressive offensively?
2: Um a little bit. I mean, I think they like us, we're throwing different defenses around. Um, we're switching and um, trying to to put a guard on me, and then and then adjusting from that. Um, so we try to take advantage of that a little bit to to get me a couple more open shots. Um, I think my teammates did a great job of, of finding me for open looks. Um, that's something that we've we've done well all year in, in the Champions League is, is pass the ball and find the open man, and and that's why we've been able to to shoot with pretty high percentages um another thing was was Javi Bairon who's been one of our leaders um didn't play in the first game and then was limited yesterday um so people kind of had to to step up um to fill in for his his role a little bit and um it just so happened that I got some more touches and, and was lucky enough to to knock some shots down
1: uh, we kind of thought that Colton Iverson would maybe struggle a little bit with Jerusalem's athleticism, but you know, really, was a beast. Um, he's been actually fantastic, really, the last eight games, uh, almost fourteen points, sixty-five percent shooting, and seven rebounds. Um, what do you think about his performance in the series?
2: I mean, you said it; he's a beast. Um, no matter who he's matched up with, and in whatever situation, he it seems like he always comes out on top. I mean, he it's such a luxury to know that you know like a couple times in the game yesterday the shot clock was running down and, and in my head it's like if i can just get up a shot that hits the rim there's a good chance Colton will get the rebound and finish it and and i think that happened twice on end of the shot clock situations with with me and him where he, he you know he got a bucket right off just off garbage points and um you know he's so strong in there and and he's got great hands and he moves well that um you know, there's not many centers like him in Europe and um, it's really just, it's just a luxury to play with him here in Tenerife. Uh,
1: Let's go back to the round of 16. You guys were down 12 points after the first leg. Uh, You know, many, many thought you, you guys wouldn't advance. Uh, And then you really came out with that huge first quarter uh, to get a a 22 point victory. Um, What was the mindset going into that return leg, which, uh, you know, against one of the, you know, really up and coming teams uh, that surprised a lot of people this this season in Prometheus Patras.
2: Um, yeah, I mean they they played a great game in Greece um, and really had us on our heels. You know, they they jumped out on us and um, you know we were kind of just lucky to to recover it to even twelve points after that that first game. Um, and I think that kind of woke us up maybe a little bit. Like we we really have to come out with energy and. and um, you know, I think one of the, the the changes that we made was trying to pressure them a little bit more on defense and um, getting in passing lanes and, and picking up full court. And our our guards did a great job of, of making them uncomfortable. And um, the first game, they got a lot of open looks and a lot of comfortable, you know, getting into their sets. And then in the second game, they weren't able to do that because of because of the pressure that that our guards were putting on them. And um I think it was a combination of that. And then also playing at home has been, you know, a great advantage for us in in the round of 16 and then against Jerusalem also, because our fans are incredible. Um, You know, they really gave us an extra boost in in those two games where we needed to, to come back to, to win, to pass the round. So, um, I, I don't, I don't know where the final four would be. It would be incredible if it was here, but, um, you know, it would it would stink if we can't can't count on those fans again. But uh, I think those are the the keys for for helping us, especially in that that round against against uh, Prometheus.
1: You know, they were also a new young team. Uh, you, much of this team, obviously had played and won the Champions League uh, back in two thousand seventeen. Uh, also, were in the right in the playoffs last season. How much did? Did your team's experience in the previous two years help in that regard in 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 beating both um uh, Prometheus and Hapo uh, Jerusalem
2: I think it definitely helped I mean we were when we won it two years ago we didn't win either of the first games in in the round of sixteen in the quarterfinals um and then last year we won the first game and then lost the second one to to get bounced out in the round of sixteen. So I think we all knew in our heads that no matter what happens in the first game, you know, and everything's still in the air and, and up for grabs in the second game. Um so, you know, like we were we were down against Prometheus and um you know we were we were losing by nine, I believe, at, at halftime in Jerusalem, but nobody was, was getting nervous and nobody was was worried because we knew from experience to look at it as like, like an eighty minute game where okay we're losing after the first half of the first game, but it's there's still sixty minutes for us to to play good basketball and um, that definitely helped us to to make those comebacks and and win in the last two series uh
1: this is your third season in the in the basketball champions League um, maybe just your your thoughts about uh the the competition level uh this season compared to the previous two editions.
2: Uh, I think it keeps getting better. I mean, when uh, when the season started and we saw the list of the teams, um, you know, we knew, you know, that this is going to be a, a pretty good challenge just to make to the final four, you know, um, even just to do well in our group. Um, we, you know, obviously we finished first, but with our group um, having Nanterre, having Venice um alone by bon, like those are all really good teams and um you know every every week we had another challenge and um i mean i think it's 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 been good for us like we we've, we've played really well but it's definitely been challenging and and um it seems like like the competition keeps getting better and better
1: uh, let's let's go uh, a bit back to your background. Uh, you were born and raised in Connecticut. Um, we like to ask our guests uh, kind of uh, what basketball is like back home. Uh, you know, many people know UConn basketball, but not much otherwise. Uh, so how's the run in, uh, in Connecticut? Um,
2: there's a lot of good players that come from Connecticut. I think, um, you know, the, the advantage is there's a lot of, little cities in Connecticut and um you know a lot of people in kind of a small space so um for me like even going back in the summer like I can always find a pickup game to go play in because there's there's so many guys around that play and everything is so close um so I mean growing up it was it was it was really easy to find find good places to play and, and people to challenge myself against um Obviously, there's no professional team in Connecticut, so it's it's kind of split between people rooting for for you know the Boston you know the Celtics or the the New York teams, um, or you know just just rooting for the University of Connecticut. But um, for me, I think it was it was a big advantage to to grow up there, to um, to be able to play against good competition and, and um, you know, for me personally my older brother played also, so I was able to to always compete against him and his friends and I think that that ultimately helped me to to become a better player.
1: You ended you ended up going to Notre Dame um and after a, a freshman year where you really didn't play very much, you you red-shirted uh and then came back with a really strong sophomore year. Uh how much did that year help you looking back on it now?
2: Oh, uh, it helped me a ton. I think um First of all, mentally, just not not struggling through sitting on the bench for another year and, and questioning if I belonged at that level or you know if I had a future at Notre Dame. Um, it was good for me to just get in a different mindset that um, you know I, I belong here. I can be a great player here, um, and this is my year to really work on on getting ready for for being a good player and. Um, the coaches did a great job of of staying on me working me out every day Um, you know I tried to get in as much extra work as possible and 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 work hard in practices knowing that that was kind of like my game for me that year Um, so I think I I took a really big step forward by sitting out that year and um, it's it's paid dividends even even up till today I think uh,
1: you also you tore your ACL very early in your in your senior year. Uh, you applied for a for another redshirt uh, year, but the NCA didn't grant that. Uh, people always say things happen for a reason. What do you think was the reason for that whole experience, and and what did you learn from it?
2: Um, you know, <laughs> I mean, I wish it didn't happen, getting hurt like that. Um, you know, it was definitely a bummer of a year to basically miss my whole senior year and then um not get another one after it but i mean in the end it, it's 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 worked out for me you know like um i was i was lucky enough to get a a really good job here in europe with asvel um after not having played and after being being hurt for almost a full year um and I don't know it was a, another thing to overcome but I think it made me stronger. Um after it was all settled and I, you know once I'm once I got healthy um to know that you can't take playing basketball for granted and and have to enjoy every moment that you have out there on the court. Um and and I think maybe now I have more fun playing basketball and and try to take advantage of of every situation that that I can because I had that that experience
1: your your father played for real madrid and and then a couple other teams uh in a few years uh over in europe and then also in in japan um maybe how much did he talk about uh european basketball and 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 maybe how much did you know about it in general when when uh you started the the thought process of 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 uh of heading overseas
2: um i knew a lot about his experiences and in he and my mom were were living over here for five or six years, whatever it was that they were in europe um and then japan and um you know they they had great experiences living over here and and really spoke highly of of living in in foreign foreign countries and the friendships they made and um, the experiences they had and um, when I was really little, we actually took a family vacation to Istanbul because that was one of the places they had played and, um, still had friends from there. And, um, it really opened my eyes to the whole possibility of, of coming to Europe and, and that European basketball existed way before I think other people, my, my age or in my situation would have known. Um, so once I started playing a little bit more at Notre Dame and, um, started having a little bit of success. I knew that, that European, European basketball could be an option for me. And, um, you know, I knew a little bit about the teams and, uh, the leagues and, and, and stuff like that. And so maybe that gave me a, a little bit of a head start for, for being prepared for when the day came to, to come over here and, and, and keep playing professionally.
1: Uh, you also have uh, Lithuanian roots. Um, and I, uh, I think there was an interesting story about how you found out about that, I guess with a school project. Uh, maybe can you tell us about how you found out about your Lithuanian roots?
2: Yeah. I mean, I don't, I'm not sure of the story, but like, um, yeah, I mean, when you're, when you're little in elementary school, it's always like a project of, of where your, where your ancestors came from. And, um, you know, I don't even know if I knew, was I was seven or eight years old. And, um, doing research for the project and talking to my grandma um, because my dad's my dad's whole side was Lithuanian my mom's side was Italian and um, my mom's side was maybe a little bit more (laughs) not in your face Italian but you you knew they were Italian (laughs) Um, and and my dad's side was a little bit more reserved about it and um, yeah that's really how I learned about about the background of of, of their roots, and my roots and, and, um, and more about Lithuania and, and where my family had come from.
1: And, and I mean, you probably lived according to some Lithuanian traditions, even though you didn't know about it, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I and mean, there was, there were things we would do on holidays with, um, eating the Lithuanian sausage and, and breaking bread before the meals that, that was something I guess they had, they had passed on. And, um, you know, I didn't even realize it until, until I started looking into the the history of of our family and, and the traditions and, and things that that Lithuanian people do.
1: And and last last Lithuanian question. Um, I guess well no, I guess not last. There's one more. Um, the um, I guess you 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 looked into trying to get a Lithuanian passport, but that's but that that's not uh, that's not possible, right? Can you give us some details on that?
2: Yeah, yeah, we had looked into it and um, know yeah, with my agent and then um tried to to use a, like a lithuanian a historian guy to 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 dig up records um and really just we didn't have any documents that that could could help us from from uh from back when my great grandparents had come and um unfortunately now you know my grandparents on that side had passed away and and I never knew my great grandparents who had actually come from lithuania so it was it was difficult to get any paperwork or, or anything in order that could, um, you know, show if they had come in time to America or, or when or, or, or any of that kind of stuff. So ultimately, uh, we, we failed in, in trying to get that passport.
1: Unfortunate. that would have helped you.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely, but. Oh well, that's, that's how it goes sometimes. Yeah.
1: Um you started your career at Asheville like you said and and your second year was with Strasbourg. Maybe tell us about the uh, the days around Halloween 2013. Um it was a Strasbourg road game in the EuroLeague and you were playing at Chalgiris. Uh how much how, how much uh were you looking forward to that trip back to your Lithuanian roots and maybe how do you remember that?
2: Um I remember that we actually had for some reason we got there like 2 days before the game. Um, so we were actually able to, to tour around Countess a little bit and and see the city. And, um, I I remember it was, it was, it was super cold, which was not, not the most fun aspect of the trip, but, um, you know, it was, it was great to see, you know, Lithuania for the first time. And, um, it was funny because in the, I don't know, in the, in the roster somewhere or in, in, uh, newspaper story or something i don't remember exactly what they had me as Timas Abermitis, abramitis even though that's you know it's tim and not Timas. and so for the rest of that year my teammates were calling me Timas, and so it was it was a funny experience and, and we lost the game which wasn't as much fun too but um it was great to be able to get there and then um now with the champions league i've been able to get back there two more times so um you know it's it's funny how how basketball can, can bring a full circle like that. And, and it's been, it's been an experience I've really enjoyed.
1: And now you're living on an Island. Uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe talk about your favorite part about living on the Island.
2: Um, well, I mean the, one of the best things about Tenerife is obviously the weather. I mean, it's, it's pretty much like summer all year round. Um, you know, like, we have an off day today from from having played yesterday, and and maybe I'll just pop over to the beach this afternoon. And it's, it's something I never thought I would experience like this. Um, but now that's my fourth year here, it's 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 become normal to me, and it's it's just weird that um, you know, I'm living in this like paradise place, and and um, you know, I, I can't complain about it at all.
1: Other than the travel, which I'm sure is probably the biggest, uh, is probably the worst part of it. But what is, other than the travel, what's the worst part of living there?
2: Oof. I mean, yeah, you said it, the travel is, is bad. I mean, going like, for example, going to Jerusalem, so it does, <clears throat> like two days of travel to get there. Um, but I don't know. There's not many other negatives. I mean, I guess, I guess being able to do like... A day trip to a different city, or you know, explore the rest of Spain, really isn't possible just in a day off. Um, but at the same time, like, there's a lot to see here on the island. I mean, there's this is my fourth year, and I'm still still finding new things um, all the time. So, I don't. I mean, there's not not too many drawbacks to living out here.
1: Uh, four years with the with with uh, the same club that for for most Americans, I'll say for most Americans, that's pretty long. Uh, How's that, how's that, uh, how's that happened?
2: Um, I I mean, yeah, it's been, I wasn't expecting it from the start. I mean, my first, my first four years were in four different places in Europe. And so it was kind of normal for me to just bounce around without a, like a stable home. Um, and then since the first year, it's always been one year contracts for me that every summer I've just renewed. Um, so it's, it's been, you know, definitely a different experience for me than, than a lot of Americans and a lot of my friends that, that are playing over here. Um, and I've been really lucky to to find a team where, um, you know, the, the team runs everything professionally. Um, we've had success on the court. Um, you know, it's a great situation, great living situation. Um, so really everything's just come together here to, to allow me to 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 stay here and and really enjoy it. Uh,
1: let's get back to the team. Uh, when you think back to that magical 2016-17 season and the Basketball Champions League title, uh, what's what's your favorite memory of, of of winning that trophy?
2: Um, I mean, it was it was unbelievable to win it here in Tenerife um, in front of our fans. Um, and then to be able to celebrate it, you know, at home after 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 winning it, um, I mean, we had such a great group of guys. Uh, our chemistry was was incredible, and, and I don't think any team had more fun playing together than, than we had that year. Um, and this group has some of that. Uh, this this current team that you know that we have right now is is a little bit in the same way where, um, you know, we we know. We know each other so well. We know how to have fun together and, and um, how to work together and play off each other's strengths. Um, so really, like that—that's—that's that's what sticks out for me. It's just the fun that we had playing together and, and the group of guys and, um, and and being able to win that championship was just, you know, kind of like the the perfect ending for us.
1: And a large portion of that team is is still together. Maybe some of the the biggest differences between the 2017 uh, Final Four team and this
2: one. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think we we play in pretty similar style. Um, obviously, different guys. Uh, we were a, a great shooting team that year. Um, I'd say we're a good shooting team this year. Um, we, <clears throat> I don't know. We were we were solid at every position. It felt like. Um, you know maybe Aaron Dornick camp was our leader but at the same time we had a team where any given day any of the 12 guys could be could be the player of the game could be the MVP for that day Um, and I mean that's a keep bringing it back to this year but it's it's a little bit of the same thing where um, with our team now it's 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 like we have a lot of weapons that 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 can be the deciding factor in any any given day. Like um, yesterday, Ferran Bassas and and Nico Brusino both played great games, and um, those are guys that haven't been starters most of the year and, and um, probably weren't at the the top of the scouting report for Jerusalem. But um, I think from that team in 2017 and. and and this team now, it's just we have great depth and um, just a full roster of, of really talented guys, and um, and we know how to bring it together.
1: When you when you saw Davin White come back, uh, maybe how much did you think that maybe the team should bring back uh, Will Henley too from the from the seventeen <laughs> champs, especially since he's actually from your uh, near your hometown in Connecticut.
2: Yeah, yeah, another Connecticut guy. And, um you know he he was great for us um will you know was great teammate great' still a great friend um it would be unbelievable if I could play again with him sometime soon um, you know but, but like you said, we have a lot of guys from that team back here um it would be great to play with all of them if, if we could swing that but um you know it's it's just how European basketball works you know a lot of changes happen and um you know it's it's not even. Having five or six guys from from two years ago really isn't isn't something that's that's very common, and um, it's really uh, I've been lucky to to have a, a, a group of guys to to stay together and, and become close with, and 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 it's been a lot of fun.
1: You're the only of the four teams at the Final Four that has played at a Final Four. Um, do you think that experience gives you guys an advantage?
2: Yeah, I think so. I mean, we we know what it takes to win. Um obviously it'll it'll be really difficult uh no matter where it is and, and who we have to play against because obviously if, if the team has made it to this final four, then then they're a really good team and 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 have a good chance to win. Um but yeah, I think we can we can draw on the fact that we've done it before and um don't have to get too caught up in the moment and and can just relax and and go play basketball. And, and hopefully the, the results will come, come in our favor.
1: At the time of the recording, we don't know who you will face uh, in the final four or where it will be. uh, But we know the other uh, three teams with Broza, uh, Broza Bomberg, Sacafredo, Virtus Bologna, and Telnet Giants. And for what's your take on the upcoming final four and uh, maybe some of the keys you think to uh, win it.
2: Um, I mean, it'll be difficult because those other three teams are all really good teams. Um, from the start, you know, they were teams that we looked at and said, you know, those are teams that can win it. And and I feel like we have a good chance, but, but all four teams have a good chance and, and all four are playing really well right now. Um, so I think the key will, will be to, you know, just play our basketball, um, come out with energy. I think when we've, we've, come out with with a lot of energy and, and aggressiveness those have been our best games. so if we can bring that to the final four then um hopefully we can we can get two wins there and and be champions again and last
1: question you experienced the joy of raising a trophy in 2017 what would it be like to repeat that on may may 5th
2: it would be incredible man i think um you know just reaching the final four is 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 like a goal that we've we've accomplished but uh to win a championship would be would be incredible I mean we, we have I think we have a team to be able to do it um you know I think we'll be we'll be there fighting um and you never know what will happen but you know I think it would it would be a great experience and and a, a lifelong memory for me if we could if we can win it again we'll see
1: All right. Fantastic stuff. Uh, Tim Abramidus, thanks uh, for coming on the show. Good luck, uh, in in the uh, final four. Hopefully everybody stays healthy and you have a full squad, uh, going to wherever the final four may be.
2: (laughs) We'll see. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me.
0: All right. Thanks again to Tim Abramidus for his time this week. Uh, Dave, a lot of interesting stuff there. What did you think about what Tim had to say?
1: You know, this, um, like I had mentioned before, they've, uh, I've been, I haven't been looking for reasons. I've been uh, finding <laughs> reasons why not to like this team, and, uh, and I'm not going to say not to like this team, but um, you know, we talked to Javi Byron way back early in the in the season. You know, wonderful chat with uh, with 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 Tim here, uh, and man, they're making me like them. All. <laughs> Uh, and you know the the fact that that uh, you know th- he talked about how you know they have so much fun playing together, and uh, and you see that, and nobody cares who's going to step up, and you see that, and uh, it, you know it's just a it's just a really great uh, team, uh, that plays like a team and just shares the ball and everything else like that. So um, you know, I, I again, it, you know, another another Tenerife player just. You know, showing that there's a, there's a good reason why the Tenerife fans have a, have a great team to support, uh, and, and a joyful team to support.
0: Yeah, they've been a fun team to watch all season long. Can't wait to see them in the Final Four. It's going to be amazing, regardless of who they get matched up with, whether they're going up against Antwerp, the young kids. It'll be the experienced Tenerife versus the up-and-coming Antwerp. Whether they're going up against Bologna or Bomberg in just a big-time heavyweight matchup. Uh, Either way, it's going to be amazing to watch. In the Final Four, May third through the fifth. Uh, Dave, any final thoughts uh, as we wrap this up?
1: No, I just uh, look forward to kind of breaking down the matchups next in next week's show. Um, talking to um to some other people that we we've uh, got some interviews uh, uh, lined up, and uh, I think people will enjoy those uh, insightful chats on on. On the history uh, of this league, so uh, um, yeah, just can't wait to to find out where where the party's going to be, and uh, and also then to find out uh, who's going to be playing who.
0: Yeah, so no games until May 3rd, but we will have a podcast every week. We'll have some special guests, uh, we'll have some player interviews, and we'll do a big Final Four preview leading up to the big event. It's May 3rd through the 5th. The Final Four is set. We're finally here, Dave. We've got four great teams, Antwerp, Tenerife, Bologna, and Bomberg. I can't wait. It's going to be amazing. Make sure you go to the website, championsleague.basketball, to check out everything you need to know to get ready for the final four deacon and igor will have some articles going up of course over the course of the next month uh you can also vote for some awards that are going to be coming up uh it's it's looking like award season here pretty soon so go check that out also download the official champions league app and make sure you subscribe to livebasketball.tv check out the champions league twitter and youtube page for all the highlights and you can watch some of these games in full so that's going to do it for this week's podcast thanks again to our guest Tim Abramitis. thanks to Tony Taylor and Brian Qualley for their time after the game for David Hein over in Germany my name is Austin Green this has been BCL Coast to Coast and we'll catch you next week